Hosanna, a fellowship of Christians. Holy Spirit is here. <laughs> he is. Well, let's, I'm glad that you're all here. Welcome. And to those of you joining us online, welcome to you as well. And I'd like to start this morning with a call to worship. If we can all stand as you are able. Oh, yeah, there we go. People are still coming in. We will just give a few moments here. All right, I will start. The presence of the Lord is here among us. Protecting us, loving us, encouraging us. We come as a people of hope to witness God's power. Fixing our eyes on what is true and right and holy. And we'll all read this. May our hearts, hearts and, and minds dwell, dwell in, in the, the peace that only our Lord can provide. provide. Amen. Amen. Well, fear cannot survive when we praise God. And when we give God praise, he can break through even the hardest of circumstances and be our strength and our comfort. So let's sing this song, We Praise You. Praise you, oh, 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 oh
this is what living this is what living looks like this is what freedom feels like this is what heaven sounds like we praise you we praise you this is what living looks like this is what freedom feels like this is what heaven sounds like we praise you we praise you this is what living looks like this is what freedom feels like this is what heaven sounds like we praise you we praise you this is what living looks like this is what freedom feels like this is what heaven sounds like we praise you we praise you we see you break down everyone we'll watch the giants fall fear cannot survive when we praise you the god of breakthroughs on our side forever lives divine without creation cry god we praise you Jesus died for 
Just give me a moment, get my papers in order here, because I get, I, you know, I get into worship and then I lose my place with what I'm planning. So just a moment. Jeff's got it ready there, and I'm just trying to find my first page here. Okay. I wanted to read this poem for you. It's called Your Name is Beautiful, and it's by the author's name is Linda, I think it's pronounced Krushke. Lamb of God, you came to take away the sin of the world, simply beautiful. Prince of Peace, you came to leave peace in the hearts of those who believe, you are beautiful. Emmanuel, you came to be God with us, so we will never be alone, our life made more beautiful. Son of God, you reigned in heaven before coming to earth, you reign there still, your throne so beautiful. Son of man, you became one of us so we would always know that you understand how we feel. Your compassion is beautiful. Messiah, you were an answer to prophecy. Your story foretold. Israel waited for you to come. Still some didn't believe, but faith in you is beautiful. Wonderful counselor, your wisdom you imparted to the disciples 11 and Paul 2, then sent your Holy Spirit so we can see you are beautiful. Alpha and Omega. You created in the beginning, before the world was known. You will be there in the end, long after all is done. In between it all, you are beautiful. Savior, you redeemed the souls of the lost, were a willing sacrifice for our sins. Your love is so beautiful. And Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And what a beautiful name. You were the word at the beginning, one with God, the Lord most high. Your hidden glory in creation, now revealed in you, our Christ. What a beautiful name it is. What a Beautiful name it is, and nothing compares. 
give unto the Lord.
team. He is the only one who is worthy of our praise, isn't he? Wow. Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you with us this morning. And if you're a guest here with us, we extend a warm welcome to you. And we want to make sure we say hi to our friends and family online. It's always good to have <laughs> Dwight's back there at the soundboard waving to me. It's awkward. Always good to have you joining us online this morning. Let me pray before we take up our offering. Lord, you are the only one who is worthy of all of our honor and all of our praise. And Lord, I am so grateful that we can call ourselves the children of God, but a child of God. Lord, that you love us with an everlasting love. Even in the midst of life and its ups and downs, Lord, you always are there for us. You never leave us or forsake us. And your word says we can cast all of our cares on you because you care for us and you'll sustain us. We thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, husband and wife team of Kevin and Joyce, pass those offering buckets. We have a couple announcements for you today. Today is the last day to drop your change off in the change for change bucket for blessings of hope. If you remember the beginning of the year, we're gonna be changing the change for change bucket every month. So blessing of hopes, today's the last day to give to that. And for the month of February, we're going to be blessing our friends, Harry and Penka and Resurrection Church in Bulgaria to help with their Christmas gifts for their community. So that'll be for the month of February. Now we're going to be circling back to some of these throughout the year. So don't think we're going to, in February, give change for change to Harry and Penka and then that's it for the year. No, we're going to be circling back to some of our ministries that we're going to be blessing. Today, Accidental Pharisees, the adult class, continues in the Blue Room and online. And it's not too late to sign up for Jane Clark's uh, writing group that begins this Tuesday evening from 6 to 8.30 in the Blue Room. You can sign up at the Welcome Center or you can just show up Tuesday night. Jane is very open to that. Also, you can sign up out at the Welcome Center for our spiritual formation gifts. And this Wednesday, is the first women's fellowship group, and it'll be meeting from one to three in the blue room. And all women from Hosanna and their friends are invited. I, I gotta just tell you, I'm grateful for that blue room because it gets used a lot. 
And now our speaker this morning is no stranger to this platform. He's either playing on the worship team or praying with the elders. Rick McKinney, come on up and give us the message this morning. And good morning, everyone. How are you doing today? Come on, how are you doing today? I got to get my prop up here, all right? This prop is heavy, I'll tell you that right now. Thank you. Now, what were you saying? All right, I'm not going to sit on it. All right, I got my bag here today. I got a couple of things here in my bag we need to talk about. All right, let's start with that. Okie dokie. Where were we? I've got a couple of pieces of, of wood here, as you can see. Real wood, all right. It's kind of like I, I don't, I'm not doing any juggling, all right. I'm not going to juggle wood. You're very, you're, you're very welcome, very, very welcome. What I am going to do, though, is I am going to put some glue on one of these pieces of wood. Gorilla super glue. So just in case you want to go buy some later on, all right? Gorilla super glue. Uh, I don't know where, but they say don't put too much on at one time, otherwise it takes a while to glue, so... Well, really, all you're supposed to do is just put a little dab will do it. A little dab here, a little dab there, a little dab there. I'm not through dabbing yet, okay? A little dab there, one there. I'll do one more, and then I think that should be enough. All right. Now then, put the glue in my pocket. hope it doesn't glue in my pocket. Right? I hope I got the cap on right, so we'll be all right. Okay. So we will put these together just like that, and we'll come back to that later. Not a magic trick, so hopefully it works. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what we're talking about today is who I am in Christ. And I'm going to start off by sharing a little bit about my journey. And those of you who know me, you've heard some of this before, but you know, I grew up in a Christian home. We went to church. Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday night, and whenever it was open, you know, we were there all the time. And when I was nine years old, I gave my life to Christ. A number of years later, after I graduated from high school, college, Beth and I moved from Houston to Fort Worth, and I attended Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Can you say all that fast? Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. So we were there for a few years, and... <clears throat> We told God where we didn't want to go. Have you ever done that before? We wanted to stay in Texas. We were Southern Baptists. Southern Baptists. Get the, get the idea? You know, Texas, Southern. Now, there were Baptist churches, Southern Baptist churches, in the north. But that was a mission field because the northern people. I mean, yeah. And those northern Baptists, you know, of different denomination, uh, you know, no, yeah, don't, know about, don't know about those folks. So, Southern Baptists had a few churches, not a lot. And we knew about those, and we said, God, eh, we'll stay here in Texas. We don't go nowhere. 
nothing happened. And then finally, God brought us north in 1976. Beth had never lived outside of Texas. <laughs> she said, we're going to a foreign land, you know. Oh, my word, you know. And, and her mother said, well, we'll see you when you come back. <laughs> that never happened. <laughs> so we were in Mercer County for five and a half years, pastoring a church. And then came to Lancaster County in 1981, pastored a church for a few years on Marietta Avenue, Silver Spring Baptist Church. And then in 1984, I became co-pastor of Lidditch Baptist Church. And during that time, a fellow that we knew from seminary out of Texas, his name was Lewis Gregory. We had Lewis come up, and Lewis was an itinerant teacher. And his message was basically union, one with Christ. And, you know, a key verse to that is 1 Corinthians 6 and 17 that says, He who unites himself with the Lord is one spirit. That was his, that's his message, his whole message, union with Christ, one with Christ. Now, as a Christian, as a graduate of a seminary, who cares? As a pastor, <laughs> you know, I knew all that. I knew I'm one with Christ here in my head. I knew that. Okay? But as he was teaching about it and sharing with it, I couldn't say that I really knew it in my being. You know the difference? Do you know, do you know the difference between knowing something here and really knowing it here? Somebody comes up to you and says, I want you to know I love you, and you're thinking, yeah, really? <laughs> Somebody else comes up to you and says, I love you, and you say, I know you do. You know, there's a difference, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. And so I'm, I'm wondering, you know, God, I'm hearing all this, and I know it's true, but I, I'm not experiencing it. I, I don't know the reality of it. And I really want to know the reality of it. So what do I need to do? Of course, I knew the answer to that was I couldn't do anything. <laughs> because you can't make it happen, can you? No, you can't. It's just something that somewhere along the line, it has to happen in you. And God does it. And I can't tell you how many weeks it was. I can't tell you the day it was. I, can't I, I don't know any of that stuff, okay? All I know is that somewhere along the line, this idea of being one with Christ became reality in me, in my heart. And it's been there ever since. Now, a few minutes ago, if you had asked me to give you two pieces of wood, I could have done that. I could have given you two pieces. Can I have two pieces of wood up here? You want to know something? I don't have two pieces of wood anymore. See that? I have one piece of wood. And one of them says Jesus, and the other one says Rick. They're not coming apart. They're glued together. Now, could you separate them? Yeah. You could probably get a, a saw, or you could get something to separate them. But if you did that, they wouldn't be the same. 
they'd be messed up. Because this is one piece of wood. Rick and Jesus are one. There's no separation. Now, you can see the difference between the two pieces of wood, though, can't you? The reason you can is because I painted one of them. <laughs> so that you could really see the difference. And Rick is not Jesus in the fact that I don't, I'm not Jesus. But Rick and Jesus are one. And if I threw this out to you to catch it, which I'm not going to do, you would catch Rick and Jesus. You wouldn't just catch Rick. Or you wouldn't just catch Jesus. Now, we think about being one, and I'm going to kind of leave that right there. There's also another verse in the Bible. And it says, 1 John 4.13, God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. What does that mean? Kind of hard to figure out. Now, I've got to rearrange things here just a little bit. I've got to get something else out of my bag. I'll pull this back here just a little bit because I want to be sure everybody can see what's going on. So I'm going to take this little cup out of my bag Bring this back here for a moment. And get my next prop. So the cup is me. This is Rick. The water is Jesus. Okay? So Jesus is in me. But the verse says... We live in him, and he is in us. I'm missing something here. Let's get back in my bag again, all right? There we go. So Jesus is in me and I am in Jesus. Now, I know this is kind of a simple illustration, but how else can you figure it out, right? Here's the beauty of it all. If you've made the same commitment to Christ that I made, I'm not the only one here who's in union with Christ. You are also in union with Christ. You are one with him. And somewhere along the line, there are two blocks of wood with your name and Jesus on it. And Christ is in you, and you are in him. Now, there are a lot of ramifications because of that. 
And one of those one of those is that I am a new creation. You're all familiar with the verse? Second Corinthians. It says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. If anyone is in, wait, we just said we're in Christ, didn't we? So we're in him. So if I am in Christ, I am a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. Now there's another verse that kind of relates to this, and it talks about us dying. It says, we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that as just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We were buried with him into death that we might walk in newness of life. Now, this death is not like the death that was in The Princess Bride. Remember the death in The Princess Bride? You know, they take Wesley to uh, Miracle Max, and he says he's only mostly dead. <laughs> he was only mostly dead. When the Bible says we're dead, we're not mostly dead. We are dead. Do you understand that? All means what? Dead means what? Right. So when we died in Christ, that part of us died. And now we're alive in Christ. Well, let's think about that for just a moment. Have you ever been told that you have two natures? Oh, you have. I wonder who told you that. It probably wasn't somebody who was not a Christian. It was probably a Christian who told you that. <laughs> Maybe a pastor. You have two natures. You've got an old nature and you've got a new nature. And they're at war with each other. Bing, 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 bing. What? There's a problem here. All right. The Bible says the old is gone. Now, we've got to move this out of the way because we've got another thing coming up. Okay? The Bible says that we are dead and buried. The old self is dead and buried. All right. This represents a tomb, okay? An empty tomb. We got an empty tomb here. This represents me, my old self, my old nature. The Bible says my old self, my old nature is dead. 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 It's dead. Can you say it with me? Dead. One more time. Dead. My old nature, my old self is dead. And remember, we said this is what? An empty tomb, right? Okay? So it's buried. It's in the empty tomb. But wait a minute. I'm still alive. And you know what? Here is my new self. And my new nature. The old is gone. It's dead. The new is here. It's alive. Now, 
Let's think about this in another way for a minute. You plant an apple seed in your backyard. Does it grow up to be a pear tree? <laughs> no. It grows up to be an apple tree. Now, if that apple tree doesn't bear fruit, is it still an apple tree? Yeah. It's a barren apple tree, but it's still an apple tree. That's the nature of the tree. The nature of the tree is to be an apple tree. Now, did you know you could grow peaches or pears on an apple tree? You know, you could do that. You graft a limb from a pear tree or a peach tree. And then you've got peaches or pears coming off that apple tree. Does that change the nature of the apple tree? It's still an apple tree. You can't change the nature of an apple tree. Now, I had an old nature. And that old nature was a sinful nature. The Bible says, now I have a new nature. It's not the same nature anymore. I don't have a war of nature. Now, the Bible does talk about the flesh. I'm living in the flesh. I have a spirit, but I'm still living in the flesh. And there can be a pull of the flesh. But that's not an old nature. And the same is true of you, folks. You've died to your old self because you're in union with Christ. You are alive to the new self because you're in union with Christ. You don't have a war inside of two natures. Now, again, I'm not saying there's never a battle with the flesh because there is. But it's not the same thing. It is not the same thing. And because of that, you, know, you, along with me, you are a new creation. We're all new creations here if, we've, if we're followers of Christ. Now, because of that, I am dead to sin and alive to Christ. Following this now? Kind of getting the progression, I hope? I'm in union with Christ. I'm a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And because of that, I am dead to sin and alive to Christ. Now let's think about that for a minute. Okay, we're going to draw a line right here. Here's the line. In fact, let me, let's, let me, I want to read a couple of verses first. Consider yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Consider yourselves. It doesn't say, make yourselves dead to sin. It doesn't say, I hope you're dead to sin. It says, consider that you are. In other words, it is true. Reckon it to be true. It's absolutely true. And then Paul says something else in Romans. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So at one point, we followed the ruler of the kingdom of the air. And, of course, you know, King James says, prince of the power of the year. So, 
We've got one kingdom over here. This kingdom is ruled by the prince of the power of the air. It's the kingdom of darkness. We have another kingdom over here. This is the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of light. Before we're followers of Christ, where are we? We're over here, aren't we? We're over here. We're following the power, of the prince of the power of the air. Now, does it mean that we can't do good things? Oh, yeah, we can do good things. But what's our nature? Our nature is the old sin nature. And what happens when we choose to follow Christ, the prince of the power of the air has no more control over us. He wants to, but he doesn't. He's still grasping at us, and we're saying, no, I'm going over here. I'm going to go into this new kingdom. I got a new passport. <laughs> I got a visa and everything else. Yep, I'm over here. And by the way, it's not going to time out. It's here forever. I am over here. I am now. God is Jesus, the Holy Spirit. I'm obeying them. And the Bible says you can't have two masters. You can't obey both. So it's one or the other. Now I'm over here. Hey, Rick, you know when that guy was mean to you the other day? Wasn't very nice. You really don't like him, do you? Now, I can listen to him. And I can say, you're right, I don't like him. I can listen to him. Or I can listen to God. And I can say, I'm not listening to you. Yeah, he wasn't nice to me. But guess what? I am over here now. I'm dead to sin. And I'm gonna, not going to let you tell me to be mean to that guy anymore. Because God says I'm to love him. You have a choice. You can choose one or the other. But you know what? Because you're dead to sin, you don't have to choose this. You are free, you are free to do what God says to do. And when we do the other, it doesn't make us happy anymore. <laughs> At one point in time when we did what the prince of the power of the air said, it may have made us happy. Ah, I got him now. Got him, got him, got him, got him. Now we're over here. Oh, I got him, got him. Oh, shucks. I don't want to get him anymore. <laughs> All I do is reach out and love him instead of get him. It's a difference. Yeah. Dead to sin, but alive to Christ. Not only am I that, but you are as well. See, you don't have to listen to the enemy anymore. You can do what God calls you to do because you're free. You are absolutely free because you're living now in the kingdom of light, you are living in the kingdom of God and not in the kingdom of darkness. And because of that, and my union with Christ, you know what I am? I am now a saint. You can walk up to me and say, hi, Saint Rick, how are you doing? <laughs> hey. Now, I don't always wear my halo. You can ask Beth. Sometimes my halo kind of falls off and it gets kind of tarnished. But, but I'm still a saint. You know, Paul wrote... To the Corinthians, and this is what he said to them. To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord 
and ours. Now let me ask you this question. If you know anything about the Corinthian church at all, did they act in a saintly manner? Not hardly. I mean, there was immorality, there was jealousy, there were facts, a section, a, factions, if I get the word out. They, they, they weren't, you're not going to hold them up and say, here's what a church ought to look like right here at Corinth. You're not going to do that. No. But what did, what did Jesus call, or what did Paul call them? He called them saints. Why did he call them saints? Now, in some churches, you're only a saint if you perform miracles or you meet these certain criteria, whatever it may be. And have you ever heard somebody say, well, that person must really be a saint? Why would they say that? They say that because the, what the person was acting like. They, they were really acting in a really godly or positive manner, whatever that may be. We are saints. I am a saint not because of who I, what I do or, or how I act. Sometimes when I act a certain way, I have to come back to Beth and say, can I start that over again, please? <laughs> sometimes she says yes. Sometimes she says no. <laughs> it all depends on how she's feeling. Uh, I'm not always saintly. But I am a saint because I'm in union with Christ. I am a saint because... Jesus and I are one. I am a saint because I'm a new creation. I am a saint because Jesus has made me holy. Holy means set apart. I am set apart for God. I am over here in the kingdom of light. I am no longer over here in the kingdom of darkness. I am a saint, not a sinner. Whoa. So you are perfect, huh? No, I didn't say that. We call somebody a sinner because of what they do. When we're talking about the Bible, someone who's a sinner is because of who they are, not what they do. At one point in time, I was a sinner because that was my nature. And yes, I sinned. Today... I am no longer a sinner. I am a saint. Do I still sin sometimes? Yes, I do. Is that my nature? It is not. Since it is not my nature, I am not a poor, wretched sinner. I'm not. I'm a wonderful, glorious saint. Because of my union with Christ. Because I'm forgiven. Because everything that God's done, I'm a saint. But not only me, so are you. You figure this out, right? Okay. Who I am is who you are. Got that figured out yet? All right. So you are also a saint and not a sinner. Because of my union with Christ, I am forgiven. First John, we read, I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. So let's think about this for a moment. When were my sins forgiven? Were my sins forgiven at nine years old when I asked Jesus to come into my life? Well, let's look at a timeline here for a second, okay? 
So here's the past, here's the present, here's the future. And here's Jesus over here, 2,000 years ago in the past. When Jesus died on the cross, you remember he said, it is finished, right? And many of you have heard this before, but what the Greek literally means is paid in full. Stamp, paid in full, paid in full. So if you owe something, whatever it may be, and if somebody stamps it paid in full, we don't do that a whole lot anymore, but sometimes it happens, maybe on a mortgage or something, whatever it may be, you know, paid in full. And someone comes back to you and says, you still owe money. If you show them that piece of paper that says paid in full, they can't do anything about it, can they? Because it's done. It's been paid for. And when Jesus died on the cross back in the past 2,000 years ago, and he said it's paid in full, he paid the price for my sin. Which means that he forgave my sins when? He forgave my sins 2,000 years ago. Now, as a nine-year-old boy, I wasn't a bad sinner, but, you know, I lied. I didn't do that, Mom. <laughs> so, you know, all of my past sins were forgiven in my past. But guess what? They were all in Jesus' future, weren't they? Think about that. How about my future sins, my present sins? They're still in his future. Everything's forgiven. All of it, all at one time. You know what that means? That means I don't ever have to ask for forgiveness. Oh, wait a minute, Rick. You don't ever have to ask for forgiveness? What do you mean? What does 1 John 1, 9 say? Well, 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I don't see the word, if we ask for forgiveness there, I see the word confess. You know what confess means. Agree. So, I do something that's wrong. The Holy Spirit comes to me and says, that was wrong. I have a choice. I can agree or disagree. <laughs> I can say, yep, that was wrong. I'm confessing and saying, agreeing with him is wrong. Or I can ignore him. I can also ignore him instead of saying, I can say, I'm not listening to you. Na, 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 I don't hear you, Holy Spirit. Although I still do, but, you know, I can pretend like I don't. And if I do that, am I still forgiven? Absolutely, I'm forgiven. Problem is, if somebody has forgiven you, but there's, you're not agreeing that what you did was wrong, there can be a problem in that relationship a little bit. I, I'm not going to walk in that forgiveness that God's given me. I'm not going to experience it. I'm not going to know it. And that's not what it says there, but I believe that's what it means, really. And what I think they're saying here is that God wants us to agree with him when we've done wrong so that the forgiveness that he's already given us can be something that we can experience and live in. Because I have been forgiven because of my union with Christ. And you also have been forgiven. <coughs> Think about it for a minute. What if the only way we got forgiveness was to ask for forgiveness? Have you ever forgotten to ask for something? <laughs> God, uh-oh. You know? Well, what happens if you go to bed at night and you don't wake up the next morning and you forgot? What happens then? I mean, God's already forgiven you. You're one with him. You're a saint. You're no longer living in darkness. 
you are living in light. I am forgiven, and you are forgiven. I am also complete in Christ. The verse in 2 Peter, I've never said, you know, as people say, do you have a favorite verse, or do you have a life verse, and all that kind of stuff, and I've never said that I had a specific one. But I was thinking this week, if I have one, I think this is it. This would be it. For his divine power has bestowed on us absolutely everything necessary for a dynamic spiritual life and godliness. Through true and personal knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and, and excellence. And that's from the Amplified Version of the Bible. I am complete in Christ. I am in union with him. I lack nothing. Do I always believe that? No. Do I always experience that? No. But Jesus and I are one. And because he is in me, all that he is and has is a part of me. Most of the time, I think many of us as Christians don't know and understand that because we pray from a perspective of need and want. Think about it for a minute. We've all done it. God, I need your peace. And God says, Jesus is your peace, and you're one with him. And you may not be experiencing it, okay? All right? And that's why we pray from a, from a point of want or need, because we're not experiencing something. And when we don't experience it, we think God hasn't given it to us. Do you understand that? Just because we're not experiencing it doesn't mean that God hasn't given it to us. Now, I could pull out my checkbook, which I don't have with me, and you can be glad I don't because you don't want me to do this. But I could write you a check for a million dollars. I don't have a million dollars, so it wouldn't be a good deal. <laughs> but let's assume I did. All right? And I had a check here that had your name on it. Now, as far as I'm concerned, once I've written that out, it's yours. You got it. But if you don't know that you have it, and you don't have enough money for groceries. You're going to be feeling needy, aren't you? You're going to feel, feel like, I, 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 I'm missing, I, I, I don't have enough money. Well, I deposited that check, and I put it in your account. And now if I tell you about it, you know you're not needy anymore. D did you really do that? You might not believe it. But when you check your bank account and find that it's there, then you believe it. God wants you to check your account, <laughs> okay? He wants you to check your account. Think about the fruit of the Spirit for a minute. Love, joy, peace, patience. All the fruit of the Spirit. All of that is in Jesus, and where is Jesus? Jesus is in you, and where are you? You're in Him. It's all there. So why don't I experience it? I don't have all the answers, okay? I can just give you a couple possibilities. One is, first of all, you don't know it. <laughs> Again, if you don't know it, you're not going to live it. Maybe you know it, but don't believe it because you're not experiencing it. God says, you know, think about this for a second. 
Do you feel Jesus in your heart all the time? Come on. No, we don't feel Jesus in our heart all the time. Now, there are times when we're worshiping him maybe, that there's an experience that we sense and feel him there or in a worship service or some other way, or maybe we're out in nature, whatever it is. We may sense and experience him somewhere along the line. But when you're sitting there at the dinner table eating your fried chicken or your pizza, are you feeling Jesus? No. You're feeling hungry and you're feeding your face. But where is Jesus? He's there. Whether you feel him or not. Where's the fruit of the Spirit? It's in you. Whether you feel it or not. So how do we get it out? Well, again, you've got to know it's there. You've got to believe it. And then sometimes, I don't know why, I don't know how. Sometimes we, Jesus, I don't understand what's going on. I'm, I'm, I'm really feeling depressed. Now, by the way, there are all kinds of physical things too, okay? We're not going to deal with all that kind of stuff because maybe you need to go to the doctor. Maybe you need medicine. You know, maybe there's something physiological or psychological going on. But aside from all of that, you know, God, I don't feel love for that person who's been mean to me. Love isn't a feeling, folks. <laughs> you know that? Love is an action. Love is a choice. There are times that Beth doesn't feel like she loves me. There are times I don't feel like I love her. There are times we're going, Rawr! But you know, we love each other. Because love's a choice. And love is an action. But God, I can't be patient. Sometimes it's hard to be patient. Depending on who you need to be patient with. It is. You know, I, I, I told this story a long, 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 long time ago. There was this guy when I was in college. And we were in a chemistry lab together. And the instructions would say, put these chemicals into these beakers and then put them in an ice bath. He would say to me, should we put this in an ice bath? That's what it says. And then put it over a Bunsen burner. Should we put it over a Bunsen burner? That's what it says, you know. And after a while, you know, I'm getting a little irritated. I mean, can you not read? I mean, this is, you're supposed to be fairly smart to be in this school to start off with. So why are you asking me what it, you know, if you're supposed to do what it says to do? Yes. And sometimes you just want to say, no. No, don't do what it says. God, I need to be patient with this guy. And the next time he asked me a question, I smiled. I said, thank you, God. And I said, yep, that's what you do. Sometimes we need to have a conversation with God about this. We do. But God, I'm not feeling, experiencing whatever this is. I know that I have it. I know that Jesus is there. I need you to work this out in my life. I can't guarantee you how that works out in your life. I can't tell you, but I can tell you that God says you are complete in Christ. I am complete in Christ. I am not needy. And the final thing we want to talk about this morning is that I am the expression of Christ.
1 John 4 says, as he is, so are we in this world. You know, it would be really, really neat if Jesus were still here physically. It would be really cool. Now, the problem with Jesus being here physically is he can only be in one place at a time. And you know, there are a lot of people who would love him. There are a lot of people who would believe him. But there are still people who would persecute him. And there are still people who wouldn't believe him. And again, he's only one person physically. And he could only be in one place physically. And he could only see so many people physically at any one time. Because I'm in union with Christ. Because I am a saint. Because I'm a new creation. Because I'm forgiven. Because I'm complete in him. I am now his expression here in the world. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people in the world today who have seen an expression of the church or Christians, but haven't seen an expression of Christ. Because I'm an expression of Christ, what that means is I can show you love even if I totally disagree with your lifestyle. If I totally don't understand your lifestyle, I can still care about you and I can still love you. It means I can totally disagree with your politics and think you're absolutely the stupidest person in the world for believing it. <laughs> but I don't have to be mean about it. I can love you. And I can care for you. And I want you to think about your lives for just a second. One of the things that we are, as far as Hosanna is concerned, is we're a church that hopefully we try our best to accept people as they are when they come in. There are a lot of people who have been turned off from God and have been turned off from church because of what they've seen from people of God and people of church. And if someone who is a Christian has hurt you deeply, wronged you deeply, not loved you, not cared about you, whatever it is, if someone who is, says they are a Christian or says they go to a church and they've done that to you, it becomes a whole lot harder for you to believe that God is loving and kind and caring and forgiving. Folks, one of, the, one of the ways that people understand who Jesus is and who God is is through the experience that they have with people who say they are people of God. 
And if we can help people who have been hurt by people of God see that God really isn't like that. God is really like this. Loving, kind, patient, gentle, forgiving. If they can see that, they embrace it. You want to know why? Because that's what they want. They want to be loved. They want to be cared for. They want to be forgiven. And I'm going to tell you right now, we, and I don't mean just we here sitting here, I understand that, but we are the only ones who can show that to them. And the reason we can show that to them is because we are in union with Christ. We are one with him. We are the expression of Christ in the world. We've covered a lot. And what I want us to do is to kind of recap a little bit about what we've covered. First of all, it doesn't say you, it doesn't say I, it says we. You see that now? We are one in Christ. Now, we're going to stop there for a second. I'm going to ask you to do something for me. Hopefully, you received a little baggie with a couple of hearts in it. If you did not, I want everyone to have one. Please raise your hand if you don't have one of these, and the ushers will bring them to you. Anybody? Is there anybody, anyone at all who doesn't have one? Raise your hand. I want everyone to have one. All right, one back there. Anybody else? Okay, and we've got one over here. Raise your hand high so we can see it. Anybody else? I want everyone to have one. Okay, we're going to do this together. I want you to open the bag, and I want you to take the two hearts out. Now, one of these hearts represents you. The other heart represents Jesus. There's paper on the back. Each of these hearts is sticky on them. I'm going to ask you to pull the paper off of each heart and then later on put those back in the baggie and we'll throw those away. But I want you to pull the paper off of each heart and then I want you to stick them together. Don't worry if they're not perfectly lined up. I showed one to Quinn last night. She said, you don't have them perfectly lined up. I said, don't worry about it, kiddo. <laughs> All right, thanks for a eight-year-old little, you know. All right, now, if you happen to have a pen or pencil, and if you don't, you can do it later on, write your name on one of the hearts and write Jesus' name on the other one. If you don't do that now, do it when you get home. Now, you can do whatever you want to with these hearts. 
And you could carry them in your pocket for a while if you want to. The main thing I want you to know is when you look at this, I want this to be a reminder that you are in union with Christ. You are one with him. Nobody, nothing, anything at all can ever take that away. It will always be there. So, we are one with Christ. We are a new creation. Your old self is dead. Dead is what? Dead. dead. That's right. Dead is dead. Your old self is dead. You are alive to Christ. You do not have two natures. You have one nature, and that is all. So, we are a new creation. We are dead to sin and alive to Christ. You do not live over here in darkness anymore. You are not controlled by darkness and the prince of the power of the air. You live over here in light. The prince of the power of the air can whistle at you. He can say, come on over here. He can say, I want you to do this. And you can choose to listen if you want to. But you'll never be happy listening anymore. <laughs> you'll know after you listen that wasn't the right thing. And you're not going to be happy. And as you grow in Christ, you're going to listen less because you don't want to hear him anymore anyway. And when you hear him, you're going to go, Blah! <laughs> I'm not going to hear you. I'm not going to do it, whatever it may be, because you are dead to sin and you are alive to Christ. We are saints, not sinners. You are not a wretched worm. You are a saint. Your halo may get tarnished from time to time. It may fall off from time to time. But you are a saint in Christ. You are forgiven. We are forgiven. You don't have to ask for forgiveness. God wants you to confess it when you're wrong. But you don't have to ask for forgiveness. You are forgiven. We are complete in Christ. That means you are lacking in nothing. You may not be experiencing it all. You may be struggling at times. God's there. You're in union with him. And finally, we are the expression of Christ in this world. Why don't you stand up? And I want to give you a charge. Charge! <laughs> Go forward into this world showing people around you that Christ lives in you that you are all of that and that they are loved cared for forgiven and if they don't already have it they can have the same thing you have which is union with Christ have a wonderful day and I know you're going to have a glorious week because you're in union with Christ so long <laughs>